Good morning. As you take a seat, I just want to say hi. My name is Colleen, and we are so glad that you're here today at 1128 Community. Our mission at 1128 is to help people do life different by setting rhythms and values with Jesus at the center. And one of the biggest things we say, you'll hear it every week from up here, is that we are a community that extends extra grace and leads with love because, well, I don't know about you, but I know I need that often. And today, we are actually finishing our series at the table. It's been a great series. My husband, Mike, has been sharing a lot about the different tables at our family's houses. And today, I wanted to talk about our coffee table. Now, I don't know about you, but early in our marriage, whether you're married or whether you just like moved out on your own, our first apartment was just this like hodgepodge of furniture. It was like this random chair from that. It was a table from Facebook Marketplace. And it was, you know, a bed that I think we got super cheap. I think the only thing we didn't do cheap was the mattress because I don't know. I don't know about you, but that kind of like grosses me out. But we had this coffee table, and I have a terrible memory. I cannot even tell you what this coffee table looked like. I just remember eating pretty much all of our meals at that table. Now, it was a small apartment, so we had a coffee table here and like think like table right over there. But that table over there hardly ever got used because we would sit at this coffee table Sometimes watching something as we ate, sometimes not, but we'd sit there together, the two of us, talk about our day and connect again in the evening. Now, we even used this coffee table when we had friends over. Like we had Thanksgiving with our friends in that apartment. You know, we lived in California. Our family was all in the Midwest, so we couldn't fly home. We had Thanksgiving, and we had so many people there. There were four people that even had to use that coffee table on Thanksgiving. I know not a traditional, like, big table like Natalia had last week with the nice place settings. That was our coffee table. And I, um, I just think about that coffee table, and I think about the people that sat around it with me, and it was intimate. Everybody who sat there, I knew, and they knew me. And I was thinking about how different that is from like a wedding. We've all been to weddings where maybe we don't know that many people. And then we're sitting with just a couple people. Maybe we know someone. I can remember this one high school wedding that I went to. Well, I wasn't in high school, a high school friend. I didn't know him well at this point in our lives, but we were great high school friends. And I went there by myself. I think Mike was somewhere else at the time. And I remember going into this huge ballroom and being like, well, I, I, uh, nobody knows me here. Nobody knows me. It's the opposite of that coffee table. And I'm guessing that I'm not alone that there are times, moments where you feel small in a big crowd or unknown. Maybe you're too young and no one's given you a fair shot. Maybe you have big ideas but no way of making it happen. Maybe you have a really big open heart 
and don't feel like anybody really sees it. And today, we're talking about the unknown, but we're also talking about the overlooked. And so maybe you have felt overlooked, even just recently, at school, in an extracurricular activity, at work. Maybe somebody got a job or position that you were just as qualified for, but it went to somebody else. Maybe someone close to you got noticed for something instead of you. And maybe no one has taken the time to truly stop and listen to your story. Unknown and overlooked. And there were a couple disciples at that table at the Last Supper who I imagine also felt that way. So we've been looking at this table, the Last Supper table that Jesus sat at with his disciples. Now, there were probably others there that besides just the 12, even like Mary and Martha, but they're not listed. And and you can even see there's even unknowns right there. Now, I have a terrible memory, terrible memory. I for sure can't list the 12 disciples. It's just not something I can do. Maybe you can, but I, if I had to guess, I would guess that most people could name like the famous ones, like Judas, I know the other Judas just because there's two Judases. You know, there's Peter, there's Matthew. But there were also others. There was Andrew, Peter's brother. There was Thaddeus, and there was even a second James. Now, Matthew's younger brother was even known as James the Less. He might have been from a priestly family. He might have been a cousin to some, but again, we don't really know. Then there was Thaddeus. They couldn't even like get his name the same in each book of the Bible. Like his name was one thing in one book and another in another book. So like he was really unknown. And then there was Andrew. That's Peter's brother. Now, Jesus had three that he kind of picked to be closest to him that he could like really share with. And so he picked John John and Peter and James, but not Peter's brother, Andrew. I'm guessing Andrew potentially felt overlooked. And as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these are the books that we typically call the Gospels, We see pieces of the disciples everywhere. We get to see like little stories of them. We get to hear questions that they asked. We get to hear or see how they interact with the crowd. But not these three. We we don't see them. And, you know, so as I'm preparing and thinking for today, this is the section where we we normally read a part of the Bible. We, We look and we read and we dig into it and And I felt stuck. I was like, how am I supposed to talk about these unknown and overlooked disciples because there's nothing to read about them? There's there's nowhere to say this is what they did or this is where they went. But it made me think of how often in Jesus's ministry, Jesus is like being around the people that Jesus really saw those that were overlooked or unknown. It made me think about how many times Jesus stopped for someone that most people would not have. 
And honestly, I probably could fill like a screen with like a list of all the times that Jesus stopped and saw somebody. But today we're just going to look at one. Now, in Jerusalem, there was this pool, and it was called the Pool of Bethsaida. And people who were either sick or hurt or had some sort of ailment would wait by this pool. They would sit there. They would lay there because the waters would stir and spin. And then, I know this sounds a little crazy, but the first person into the water after that would be healed. And so there was what I picture in my mind almost like a kind of small crowd that's waiting around this pool and waiting for those waters to stir. And today, the man that we're going to read about, he waited by that pool on a mat for 38 years. Now, I don't know how old you are or how young you are, but for me, I'm almost 37, and I'm kind of having like some issues getting close to 40, which that's my own thing, but I'm like 38 He's been waiting there for just like about as long as I've been living, and I like can't even imagine that. I can't imagine waiting by this pool, and as I'm thinking of this story, I'm thinking like there had to be people that saw him, that walked by him. There had to be other people that jumped into the pool that were healed, then left, and still saw him, or other people walking in the city near him but he just laid there for 38 years. And in John chapter five, we get to see an interaction between Jesus and this man. And it says, inside the city, near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And he did. He stood up, he picked up his mat, and he walked. This man overlooked for so many years. This man, unknown to many people, I mean, honestly, he's still kind of even unknown to us. We don't even know his name from this story. But Jesus stopped. Jesus saw his need and healed him. There might have been disciples at that table at the Last Supper that felt not as important. And maybe you even sitting there today sometimes sit there and feel not as important, whether it's here at church, whether it's at your house, whether it's at your job, whether it's at school, somewhere else, you might feel overlooked, unknown, These three, they weren't necessarily the closest ones to Jesus. They might not have had like the red carpet rolled out for them 
as they continued their ministry after Jesus' death. But Jesus had a seat at the table for these three men too. Jesus had a seat for the unknown and the overlooked. And we've been talking each week about how there is a seat for you. And as we end this series today, I want you leaving here feeling confident that there is a seat at the table for you. And Jesus has gotten it ready just for you. And so even if you have felt unknown here or overlooked, there is a seat for you. There's a seat for you, and there's a seat for me too. Now, you might not feel like you have an important seat. You might not feel like you have a seat, but there is a seat for everyone. And Today, you might, that might be your biggest thing to walk away with. Knowing that Jesus has a seat and wants to be in relationship with you. And some others of you, you might be sitting here today saying, oh, I know that I have a seat. I'm confident that I have a seat. I trust that I have a seat. I still think there's a message Actually, I know there's a message for us today, too, especially as we go into this busy season, a fun holiday season, but, but it is busy. We can use Jesus as an example, and we can watch how he stopped. He was walking from one place to another, but Jesus stopped. And so... My encouragement today for all of us, and I know it really hit me this week too as I just ran around like a crazy person, that I need to make sure that I'm taking the time to truly see the people around me. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus took the time and stopped and really saw the people in front of him. And then, like, did something about it, right? Like, didn't just keep walking on by. Didn't just say, oh, I, I see him sitting there. But stopping and letting them know that you see them too. This can be something as simple as if you're a student and there's somebody that always sits alone at lunch. Maybe you sit with them. For those of us that work, maybe it's something as simple as instead of going from one task to another task, you set aside five minutes to pop in your coworker's office, room, wherever, and just say, like, how are you? Or, hey, what are you doing for the holidays? And then instead of worrying about what else you have to get done, you really take follow up maybe a week after and say, hey, how was that? Jesus sees us. Jesus sees who we are and Jesus makes a seat for us. But then a little piece
I know that's not easy, and sometimes it takes us out of our comfort zone. But let's all this week see just one person. It could be a family member. It could be someone you work with. It could be someone at the grocery store, somebody at the gym. There's no, there's no limit to where you might find this person. Honestly, it could even be a digital connection. Like maybe you work remotely, but you take the time to, to message and ask somebody how they're doing. The possibilities of letting someone else be seen and taking the time to see them truly are endless. But let's all do that this week. Let's take the time. Let's slow down. Let's not run from one thing to the next. And let's watch what Jesus did. And watch how Jesus stopped and saw someone sitting there. You know, when I think of the Last Supper, I think of like that big table, a lot of food, almost like a Thanksgiving table. I think of loud, I think of, you know, people talking, and I see Jesus surrounded by the 12 and more, and then I think about Jesus stopping on the street for this man, and I just, I just know that we have a seat, that we can have a relationship with Jesus, know that Jesus doesn't just want like that big fancy table like with us Jesus will even meet us at our coffee tables those super intimate places where we feel known Jesus will meet us right there and Jesus wants to and so I know Jesus is as is at that like big table but very honestly, as we go into this holiday season and as we go into Thanksgiving week, I'm going to meet Jesus at my coffee table. Because I know that, that Jesus loves me. I know that Jesus loves you. And then I want to take that away from my coffee table. And I might not actually invite someone to my actual coffee table, but then I want to make sure this week you to make sure this week that you see someone that you truly see them. Let's pray. God, thank you for the big and the small tables. Thank you that you have a seat for us, that you want a relationship with us.
with us. And then God, I ask for you to help us open our eyes. Open our eyes to the people around us. Help us this week see someone that might feel unknown or overlooked. Help us see them and help us stop and show them love. God, we thank you that you are a God that is here.